listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Well, it's good to be with you today. Wherever you are watching this, we can still be the people of God scattered. We have now been doing uh, online church for a number of months um, and it's a fascinating uh, transition to actually do church in this new way. One of the things I'm getting used to is the fact that once you start a sermon, you can actually stop it. So I had started this sermon, it was in for about five minutes, and then a tragedy struck as on the edge of the music stand here, I cut my finger and all of a sudden, you know, blood was dripping down, about to go on my Bible. And then that wonderful realization, we can stop the recording. So this is 2.0 of this sermon. Uh, the team may release a bootleg, uh, illegally uh, distributed version where perhaps you'll see me get cut somewhere on the dark web. Uh, okay, sorry, I'm bleeding everywhere. <laughs> it is good to be with you today. We are in the midst of a series which is looking at some of the core principles that we see God using uh, in this time during the pandemic to guide us as church. We are in a complex moment. It's really hard to predict. There's many moving pieces. We don't know what the future looks like. And at times like you find yourself in a complex environment, what's really helpful are simple principles. And so we're exploring three simple principles that we see are guiding us through this pandemic, but also will guide us after the pandemic and that God has been using throughout the history of Red Church. The first one we looked at last week, which is abide, this concept that we see in John 15, that we're called to live life in the Father, that we get to not have to do everything in our own strength, that Christ has done the work on the cross, that we get to live the life of God dwelling in the vine. Today, we're going to look at the second of those three things, abide, renew, go. Abide with Jesus, be renewed by Jesus, go with Jesus. This week, we're looking at the value and the principle of being renewed by Jesus. And this is really a theme which is central to who Red is. This is not something we dreamed up on a whiteboard and, and, and brainstormed, right? This is actually something that God really deposited in the hearts of many at Red, this concept that God wants to renew us. And so to do this, I want to begin with a diagnosis given of the church in a previous generation. One of the real high points for the church was just after World War II. This was when the church was large in number after the chaos of the war and the dislocation of the preceding centuries of the Great Depression, um, of so much destruction in the world. People were hungering for meaning. They're also hungering for comfort and a sense of familiarity. And the church across much of the English-speaking Western world, in Australia, New Zealand, in the United Kingdom, in the US, in Canada, actually really had this interesting high point. Churches were filled as people sought after God and sought for some stability after all of the chaos. Writing at this time, in 1948, was the great American Christian writer A.W. Tozer. And in the beginning of his classic book, The Pursuit of God, he gives this little diagnosis of the church of his time. He notes that it's actually filled with lots of people. 
People who, perhaps for the first time, have a grasp of the right doctrines and believe the right things. He notes that churches are increasingly well run. They're efficient. That there are all kinds of ministries that are out trying to do the mission of God in the world. Yet at this high point, Tozer notes something is missing. That people, in a sense, have outsourced the hunger for God that characterizes periods where people want to see God move out of desperation. And that hunger for God, which comes after the war, where people are looking for meaning, they've been through a terrible time, then gets mixed with that desire for comfort. And the church on the outside looks healthy and large and people are believing the right things and there's all kinds of ministries and new techniques and tactics for actually doing the church. But the hunger, the seeking, the stirring up in the heart for God he notes has now been outsourced to the professionals, the pastors. People come to a service so someone else will seek God on their behalf. And even then, many of the pastors and reference and ministers are not even really seeking themselves. So what looks like a really healthy high point through the lens of hunger after God that Tozer places over the church. This actually spiritually can be a low point. And I think about the church in the West, in Australia, whilst there is the pressure of secularism and post-Christianity and all of this stuff, still we have to admit that compared to what so many other places in the world experiences pressure against their faith, that the last few decades in the church have actually been a time of comfort. Many places actually having an abundance of resources. Never before have we had so many well-run churches, so many fantastic digital platforms, so many different bits of information at our fingertips that we can use to grow ourselves in our faith. Yet have we too been inoculated with comfort? Tozer saw on the horizon what he called a harbinger of revival. His hope was less in how the churches were being structured and run and the new techniques that were coming in from the corporate world or from media. The hope he saw was actually in what he said. It's almost like a, he said it's like a size of a hand on the horizon, like a tiny cloud that is almost inconspicuous but carries the promise of great rains. That tiny glimmer of hope that he saw was that scattered in the churches was a group of people who hungered for something deeper, not satisfied by the comfort and well-run churches and excellent programs. They wanted something more of God. The hunger that had been opened up by all the dislocation of war and the economic dislocation of the Great Depression and the political polarization, this people still wanted to press into God even when all of that stuff had seemingly calmed down. There was hope. There was a potential for renewal in a group of people who still hungered after God. The search for the abiding wasn't over for them. 
And so this week, we move from that concept of abiding, of having that hunger for God, and we look what happens at times when perhaps comfort comes in, when there's a decline, and often it sets in early before you realize it. And this is a lesser of a decline of, you know, how many people in the culture believe in Christ. This is more a decline that happens in churches. It happens in individuals. People who once sat in that place of the abiding were moving towards this life with God that something has dimmed. Many people, the vast majority, come to a vibrant faith in Jesus in their sort of 18 to 25, sometimes 16 to 25, depends who you talk about. Many of you have memories of perhaps going down the front at a service, of being touched by the Holy Spirit on a camp, of having a conversation with a youth worker or a young adults pastor, a moment when you and your friends seemingly were wrapped up in this incredible abiding and life with God was so close. Now, that may not be you, and that's fine. Some of you are on the journey towards abiding. But many of us, when we think about life in God, our minds go back to a previous period. And so what I want to look at today is this concept of how does God renew us when there's been some kind of move away from abiding. Now, if you've never felt you've abided, never known that, that's fine. There's going to be plenty for you to learn from today. But understanding this process of renewal is key. I just want to turn to the scriptures for a moment. In Ephesians 4, Paul is teaching this group of Christians in Ephesus. And what's really interesting is already the church is very new. The church is, you know, only a few, you know, years old, decade or so old in the scheme of things. This is very new compared to our experience of looking back 2000 years later. But already these people have been touched by the Holy Spirit. They're in the churches, people who literally, the apostles who knew Jesus or second people who were one or two relationships away from Jesus, already you can see in some of these churches. We saw this in our Revelation series, that decline sometimes comes in, that even this new church finds itself drifting from abiding and needing renewal. So talking to the church in Ephesus, Paul says this, You were taught, this is a reminder, sorry, uh, it's Ephesians 4, verse 22. He begins, you were taught. Again, this is a reminder of a faith that is now in the past. With regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, this is what we talked about last week, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, not to live out of the old man, the old woman, the old creation, to be made new, to be renewed, to be made anew in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What this is saying is Jesus has done the work on the cross. You don't need, as we said last week, to go back and reanimate that which is dead. You don't need to try and do a self-improvement job on a corpse. You don't need to enroll a dead body in a whole university crash course in what it is to be a spiritual follower of Jesus. It is gone. You now have the identity of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. If you see yourself as a follower of Jesus who's given your life to him. What Paul is talking about here is whilst the work of 
Christ has been done on the cross, there's also this process of renewal that God invites us into. Now, I, in my book, Reappearing Church, uh, talked about a kind of renewal schema, the way that God moves us to renewal. I was talking about that at a corporate level of how he renews churches. But what I want to look at today is actually a renewal scheme, which has has some similarities to what I did. I only just discovered this recently after I finished the book. And it's from uh, Dr. Rob Reimer in his book, Pathways to the King. And this shows us the process of renewal that individual believers go through. So what I would like to do is I'd like to use his schema today because it has much to teach us about this process. It has four parts, and the first one begins with abiding. Again, this is a model of renewal for those who at some point were living the life of God, the high point of faith, where Christ was close and God was moving. And in this revival or abiding space, there is this chasing of God, this hunger. The things of the world have grown strangely dim. And God is front and foremost. And there's something where you want to have primacy, where he, he, he is the prime thing in your life. There's this passion, a passion to worship him, a passion to pay, a passion to read scripture, a passion to be about the people of God, to share his word, to help the poor, to partner with him as the kingdom is built in the world. There's this sense of vital union, which is meaning his presence. His presence is close. There are ups and downs, but those ups and downs often lead you to this brokenness or in those broken moments, you realize how weak you truly are. And in your suffering and difficulty, you turn to him, giving you that beautiful softness of heart where we can be a clay that's soft and moldable in the potter's hands. This is abiding. But often, After a season like that, a kind of dimming comes. Abiding is there. It's alive. It's wonderful. And it's rare that often goes from that to complete decline. These things happen very gradually. Comfort may come in. There may be a suffering which you didn't have an explanation for. And then we move into this stage of spiritual decline. Maybe you're young and maybe you're just passionate and you're living check by check, praying to God to provide. And then all of a sudden you start to have a better job. Your loneliness that drove you towards God when you're younger, all of a sudden now is felt as maybe you're married, you have family, have great friends. The needs that you had before God that you were giving to him actually now are accounted for by the world. And this temptation comes in. There's kind of a wandering doubt may rise its head. And doubt often rises its head, as we see in the Psalms. That's normal. But here it begins to take hold. Idolatry can come in at this point. What once was pure worship of God and his things, now all of a sudden other things, money, achievement, status, material things, sex, the approval of others, to be in control. 
All of these things begin to come in and become alternate forms of worship. And they don't begin like you don't put some giant idol in your lounge room, but maybe in the back of your house somewhere symbolically, it's almost like you've just got a little idol. And these things like some kind of growth grow slowly in your life. Often the ground for this is disappointment with God. When you're younger, particularly in a country like Australia, particularly if you've grown up in the last few decades, Australia is now gone into a recession because of the coronavirus. But what's unique about Australia is we not had been in a recession for decades. I graduated from high school into the last proper recession at the beginning of the 90s. And many of you have never lived in a recession. This sense that there's been this provision for so many people. We just have these high expectations. Many people today to travel, to be able to go to that cafe, to be able to leave a job and find another one. But then when expectations aren't met, work is harder than we realize. There's relational breakdown, death of loved ones, illness, sickness. We were pressing into God because we had this vision that we were then moving towards this path and we didn't realize we had a picture of what we thought life would look like and then it doesn't come. And all of a sudden, the deal seems like it's been changed. And into that space, there's still the memory of faith, there's still faith, there may even still be warmness but something has cooled. And in this place, we can, in a sense, spiritually self-medicate. And it may be gossip, or it may be a rebellious attitude, or it may be criticism, or it may be hidden sins, comfort patterns apart from God. And a heart is no longer soft. It becomes hardened. There's parts where this it's understandable because suffering is painful. But the distance between us and God seemingly grows. And sometimes this doesn't happen because of suffering. Sometimes this happens because of comfort and self-satisfaction. But what has happened is we're no longer hungering. We're hungering for something else than him. And this stage three then transitions into something else. What was really a spiritual crisis has now become a spiritual holding pattern of decline. Decline is replaced by a kind of plateauing where you're just in a kind of spiritual bondage. Burnt out through operating in the old man, the old woman, the old creation. You've been trying and it's not delivering what you want. So instead of looking at why you are operating out of the old man, you actually turn the blame onto God. And a callous heart becomes a hardened heart. It's hard for God to get through. That spiritual sensitivity that comes in moments of abiding where his word is close, his scriptures open, that song moves you. That story from a foreign country of people who don't know the name of Jesus brings you to tears. And now it's a bit, yeah, been there, done that. A bit more worldly, a bit more cynical. Seen some of the things that exist around that. Different space now. And we begin to blend in things which are clearly of the flesh. 
They may be in the church. They may be the actions of other Christians. And we blur those things, which are clearly not God's heart. But we put that with God. We put that with faith. We put that with church. It's all in one thing. And we're a bit distant from it. And then these seeds of rebellion are sown. They might be just straight up irreligion. This sense that, man, forget all that. It could be entrapped with substances, drinking too much, sex, addiction, seeing money as the source of all happiness, a building of your identity and being seen and continually affirmed. So it can be in the space of irreligion, but it also can be really religious where a religious spirit comes into you and you are totally fooled, thinking you're doing the Lord's work, that you know better than the pastor, you know better than those people over there. You know how the church should be run, what that mission organization should be doing, what all your friends should be doing, because you're actually working hard on a different tangent, which seems like it's religious, but it's actually being driven by the old self. And so these pharisaical traits come into you. You point out the faults in others, but are blind to the log in your own eyes. And so there's this point at this this moment where there is a significant setting in of a structural decline in your faith. And people can live here for years. But... There's always an opportunity and this is the brilliant thing and this is what is the hope of renewal. And if you're hearing some of that today and you're sensing that there's a little crack in your heart where the news is getting through and God is calling you back, the good news is that there is renewal because we've reached the limits of our old man. We recognize our weakness. We turn to him. And as I've said many times, crisis leads to renewal. Rob Reimer says this, at this stage, you hit the bottom of the barrel. If you get down here, you often need an encounter, a crisis of some sort, or a breakthrough to wake up and get out. In this phase, you need a wake-up call. You are spiritually in a disastrous place. Imagine, what if there was a moment where so many of us through an external event that we have little control over was brought to a point where there was a clear pattern break with what had been going before, where the church could not be reliant on trusting things which seemed like they were achieving the work of Christ, but without Christ's abiding presence as part of that. What if we were brought to a moment where the things that defined us and even our city, we could not rely on anymore? What if we were brought to a point where the comfort and control that we're so used to as believers in this city had the rug pulled out from under it? And what if that happened not just to 10 people, 20, 50, 5,000 across Melbourne? What happened if that happened to 5 million people in a city all at once? Would everyone turn and be renewed? Not. But would there, like in Toza's day, 
be a smattering of people, as small as a man's fist on the horizon, a harbinger of revival, who in the midst of weakness, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of coming to the end of themselves, who move beyond trying to achieve their way through a crisis, argue their way out of a crisis, actually realize that the only hope is Jesus. And at that point, as happens, and I know it's happened to many of you, and it's happening to many of you, is that beautiful moment where Jesus reaches out his hand. We sit symbolically in the story of the prodigal son. The ashamed son having squandered his inheritance, given up the abiding, rejected the presence of the father, chased things that are not of God, gone so low in crisis that as a good Jewish boy, he's just not eating pork, he's eating the food that the pigs eat. That's like meta, not kosher. And he comes home willing just to be at the lowest rung because he's been humbled. And what does he see? He sees the father running without care of convention down the road towards him. Why? To re-engage. And renewal begins. Breaking from the hard ground, that tiny shoot of new life. The sun coming over the dawn horizon and breaking the darkness. And now our hearts, because we've come to the end of ourselves, is again softened and has the potential of being used. And slowly this process begins as we turn back to God, reconnect with him. A friendship is re-established. We remember his goodness. We realize that we don't have to do this. This is not a religious program. You can't do the 12-step program to renewal. And that's not a dig on 12-step programs. That's actually the reality that what renewal is about is Jesus is pursuing you. And as he pursues you, his hunger to be in relationship with you begins to stir a hunger in us. And slowly... That spiritual energy is restored. Why? Because it's not coming from us. We've reached the end of our energy. We've reached this peak oil they talk about. We've reached peak doing it in our own strength. And this is reconnecting to the power source. And all of a sudden, a Bible is opened and the word speaks again. All of a sudden, a prophecy given maybe 20 years ago in a journal comes and is opened and remembered. Maybe an online church service is turned on again. And that wonderful process that God is the continual God of second chances begins to come true in our life. And all of a sudden, the negative view, the religious pharisaical view, the irreligious view, the darkness and blinding begins to go. And we begin to see things through the spirit's lenses with spiritual chazon, as we spoke about in a previous series, spiritual vision where we actually see the world and what God is doing in his kingdom. 
and the groundwork is set. The door is open to abiding. And revival can begin again as we step back into abiding. I have seen this happen to people. Sometimes it's literally people who abided in their late teens and early 20s, who are in their 40s or 50s or 60s, again fall in love with Jesus. That's one of the most beautiful things. There are people listening here today who need to fall in love with Jesus. And if you listen almost every week, in some ways I'm preaching the same sermon. And we can continue to do so because I believe that in the midst of this pandemic and this crisis and this once in a century moment where we're locked down with curfews and limitations, that we have to get out of this moment spiritually everything that is giving to us. And every week, I believe there are people who come to a bit more to the end of themselves. And every week, I want to again preach to you, the answer is Jesus. Turning back to him. And so the door of renewal is open to you wherever you find yourself in that schema. Now, what's really interesting is Rob Reimer makes a really key point. Very few of us ever reach this height of abiding where we're just continually abiding. Even the greatest saints and holy people who followed God hits these seasons where comfort may come back in, distraction may come in, A temptation never seen before may come in. Suffering and disappointment with God may come back in. And we find ourselves going from abiding into decline. What Rob Reimer says is that Christians still go through these cycles, but the key is that once you're attuned to what the Holy Spirit's doing, that you realize that something is happening. I want to be straight up honest with you. In the last two weeks, I noticed that something began to shift in me. The joy disappeared a little bit. The scriptures when I opened in the morning seemed to, my mind seemed to cloud over. I began to look at the things that were going wrong. I found this sense of frustration growing in me, remembering past hurts. It was not a major crisis, but I recognized it. And at those points, what we're called in to do is we don't have to solve it. We just need to turn to him. And you know, it works sometimes. Rob Brahma says this. He says literally worship. Part of that was just me every morning going for a walk and listening to worship music and just saying the words, speaking those words about God. So the key is not that you never reach decline. That's always going to come. That's the process that we're hearing here that Paul is reminding the church in Ephesus. The key is just speeding through it because what happens is God is continually growing us. It's like this renewal cycle actually pushes us deeper into God. We're abiding and then we hit a decline and we may not realize it, but then God shows us something that he maybe wants to cut off that we didn't realize there was a part of the old man, the old woman, the old creation holding onto us. And then we get rid of it and then we go deeper. And so it's this amazing mechanism that God has placed in the world of renewal to continually grow us and to remake us in the attitude of our minds, to put on the new self to be created, to be like God and step into that true righteousness and holiness. Red is about renewal. 
Red is not interested in just putting on a religious show. Red is all about inviting you into renewal. And it doesn't matter if you've literally done the Alpha course and you've jumped on for the first time and you're trying to find out about God, brilliant. If you know virtually nothing about Christianity, we would love you to know more about Jesus. If you're someone who's found yourself stuck in these places and you're almost just finding yourself doing it and you're wondering what on earth is going on, we want to invite you into renewal. If you're someone who is in love with Jesus, who you're in abiding, we would love you to be more in love with Jesus. Red is about renewal. And at moments like this, when we are not defined by our services, when we're not defined by gathering as we used to, we're not listening to live music, we're not gathering socially in the ways that we could. Red does not like look like it used to. I'm in a room filled with, if you could see, there's literally filled with cushions. This is weird. I'm not used to this. But you know, it does not change. Renewal. And I believe God wants to do a renewal and continue to renew, do a renewal in many of you. And that renewal will spill out into your friends and family and into our city. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let me pray. God, I want to thank you for the people who look back at a time where you were really close. They were in that abiding space where it just seemed effortless but now find themselves maybe in spiritual decline. Maybe they find themselves in spiritual bondage. Maybe they're just taking the first steps back of renewal. Jesus, we put everything on the altar before you. What our lives look like, what our freedoms look like, everything that comes from the old man. We put on the altar even everything that we knew about red before. And Father, we want to be individuals who press into renewal. You have remade us before, do it again. You've remade this church before, renew it again. And God, we pray that we may be a people of growing hunger for you, pursuing you because you first pursued us. So we just pray that your Holy Spirit will come now, that it will fill us, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Minister with wordless groans, where only you can minister. In the silence now, speak to the state of our hearts. We place before you our worries and fears, our frustrations, our anger, our disappointment, our expectations that have been paused or even thrown out that's because of this pandemic. We pray in this moment, make a new our heart, stir us up with a passion for your word, for your life, for your kingdom. Renew us again, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.